This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. This is Issues and Interviews. And now, here's Kieran Michael Lawler on the Red Apple Podcast Network. course is the melodious tones of Vin Scully, great broadcaster, broadcasting an unusual event, a very American event 47 years ago this week. Rick Monday playing for the Cubs was in the outfield. Some America-hating leftists wanted to burn the American flag in the in the outfield at Dodger Stadium when they're playing the Cubs, and Rick Monday ran over. If you can check out the video, I definitely encourage you to do it, and took the flag away and doused out the, the flames and uh, got a big round of applause, and uh, it's a beautiful moment. Rick Monday had been a United States Marine. I like that aspect of it also. He wasn't going to let it happen on his watch, but I wonder, I wonder, what would happen if somebody tried to do that today? Maybe security would get them, of course. Security would certainly get them, and I like to hope that uh, some of the great Yankees or other ball players on other teams, whether American or not, because our baseball game is very, Major League Baseball, very international now, uh, would have put, put a stop to that. But uh, I've always loved that video. There's a great still photo of it. It was pretty athletic and acrobatic the way Rick Monday did it. Rick Monday's got kind of an awesome name. That's kind of an awesome baseball name, Rick Monday. And uh, why are we starting with a little uh, 47-year-old sports anecdote? I don't know. I don't know, because it happened this week, and I think it's awesome. And I'm Kieran Lawler, and I'm hosting Issues and Interviews today. And we got a great interview. We're going to cover a little bit of sports with this guest. In fact, most of the show is going to be all interview all the time, pretty much. We're going to talk a little bit of sports. We're going to talk about the Hunter Biden corruption, uh, the cover-up. We're going to talk about Tucker Carlson being out at Fox News. And we're going to do it with a great guest and friend of mine and returning to Issues and Interviews. Andrew Giuliani is going to join us in just a few seconds. Uh, we'll cover all that. And he's a big sports fan, so we'll, I'm sure we'll get into a, a little bit of contemporary New York sports and maybe a little bit of Albany dysfunction and a bunch of other topics. And I see it. I see it right now. The Issues and Interviews Hotline is lighting up. We are joined on the Issues and Interviews Hotline by Andrew Giuliani, former Trump administration official, former Republican gubernatorial candidate here in the great state of New York, and radio host. How are you doing, Andrew? Kira, great to be with you, my friend. Looking forward to chatting. Absolutely, absolutely. How's your family? I I feel like I was there for the birth of your child because I was listening to the radio... (laughs) And uh, your father was on, and I think your daughter was just born, and he was giving us the real-time updates and talking about the pictures. So how's, how's she doing? You know what? It, it uh, It's amazing that she's almost 17 months now. It just wow. 
it does feel like yesterday. And, you know, it's it feels like when people tell you enjoy it because it goes so fast, it sounds cliche. But it's cliche because it's true, because even 17 months have just absolutely flown by. Um, but, you know, she's definitely uh, starting to show her personality. She's, uh, you know, is loving. She's giving kisses and hugs to mom, to mama and dad, dad, and to pop pop and to, and to grandma. But I will say she's got a little bit of the Giuliani blood because, you know, she knows what she wants and she knows what she doesn't. And when she doesn't want something, she's happy to let you know about that. So we're working a little <laughs> bit on some of that discipline, but uh, definitely some of probably the stubbornness that runs in the Giuliani bloodstream. She definitely got it. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that. I'm, I'm still trying to <laughs> instill some discipline in my, uh, my teenage kids. So it's been, it's been, uh, you know, 16, 14, 13, 15 years. And I'm, I'm still working on that. That's a, that's a lifelong uh, endeavor. And, and you know what, Karen, I mean, for me, I had somebody ask me probably a couple months back, like, did it change your perspective? Did being a father change your perspective? on politics, on life, on issues. And I would say it didn't change my perspective. More than anything, though, it affirmed my perspective on this and, and affirmed my beliefs uh, in terms of what we're fighting for, why it's so important to make sure that they have a, a good, solid education, a good foundation, uh, faith, how important that is, and also why we're fighting to make our city and our state uh, a safer place and our country a better place. Uh, for them, you know, so it's uh, it's one of these things that, uh, that that I just feel so blessed, and and if anything, it's kind of made me feel more responsible for making my community a better place. Very well said. Very well said. I actually, in the last couple of years, and this is not a political statement, and it's almost a cliche, but I don't think it's ever been truer. I'm really concerned about the future for my kids. I'm 47, okay? So if I'm lucky, I have 30, 40 more years. You know, my kids have 60, 70, 80 years left right. to go. And what is the world going to be like? Look at the decline in the last two years. E even, it's not getting enough coverage, but Sudan is falling apart. There's 16,000 Americans in Sudan, and we're just saying, oh, sorry, uh, you're on your own now. I mean, it's really an unbelievable fall in such a quick period of time. And it is, it what's is. it going to be like? Yeah, I, you know, it, it scares the heck out of me as well. And uh, I got to tell you, my wife and I talk all the time about our daughter's education and what is what is she going to learn? When you look at the New York school system, especially where I live, you know, in lower Manhattan here, um, you could argue that the, the private schools are even worse than the public schools in terms of what's in the curriculum, what's being taught and the idea of diversity, equity and inclusion. Uh, you know, the ideas of, uh, you know, is she going to come home at six or seven years old and look at me and say, uh, Daddy, I'm a boy. And by the way, you're a racist. And, and uh, you, know, you just you, you just wonder about this. And, and uh, and we talk about this basically every single day. Uh, so whether it's international politics like you're talking about, uh, for me, my wife is from Lithuania, so so we obviously look very closely uh, at world politics. And, and uh, you know, I have the view, at least on Ukraine, that um, I, I like the fact that the United States uh, is taking a role in Ukraine. However, I think that we are being inefficient. And I think we probably can, can do what we're doing in Ukraine at probably a fifth maybe even a tenth of the cost. I think there's that much spent cost in Ukraine. I should say uh, there's there's that much that we're wasting that it, I would want to go line item by line item on this. And, and I think that's th that to me, when you look at the role of government, and I think you saw it so up close uh, being in Albany for the time that you work here. And you, know, you could see that there probably are a few issues that you may agree with that you may vote against because you look and say, well, wait a second, 
Uh, I might agree with funding this to a certain degree, but I don't I don't agree with adding the extra zero on the very end of this because you know that 80, 90 percent of that money uh, is going to get flushed down the toilet. And that's kind of what I see in D.C. It's certainly what I see from my perspective in Albany uh, and in New York City. It's just how inefficient we're being with taxpayer dollars. Uh, and sadly, uh, our kids are going to have to end up paying for this down the road. Yeah, you're right. And speaking of kids, let's talk about the president's kid. Mm-hmm. President. Biden's son, Hunter Biden. <laughs> I'll um, tell you, Karen, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Sure. I really should have been an artist because, you know, if I would have known that I would have made $250,000 of painting as a former first son, I don't know what the heck I was doing getting into politics over here, you know? He's such a talented guy. Yeah. And you know what? And actually, it's funny you mention that because in the list of nefarious financial arrangements that Hunter Biden is a part of, as gross as that is, that he has these terrible paintings and they sell for big bucks and there's no accountability. That's like the bottom of the list. You're right. You know what I mean? You're right. You're absolutely right. Oh, man, you're absolutely right. When you look at uh, and I'm just laughing because if I didn't laugh, I'd be crying. Um, But when you think about more than anything, and and this is kind of the point that I kept keep going back to on this is, you know, look, we know his troubles with drugs and alcohol and and uh, and and illegal firearms, uh, even as hypocritical as as, uh, you know, his father's stance is is on that. But I don't even look at his troubles in that regard. I look at the fact that Joe Biden was selling out our country and using Hunter as the bag man, using a troubled individual who was his son as the bag man in order to sell out U.S. policy. I mean, how can you, I don't understand how anybody who takes an unbiased look at this, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, conservative, hell, a a democratic socialist of America, if you look at this independent and you see what, how much China has been able to profit over the last couple of years, and we could just look at the Bagram uh, Air Force Base, just 400 miles from the border of China, how important strategically that is. Just keep that Air Force Base. And the fact that you give that away with all that equipment right there, and then you just easily look and see how much the Biden family, family through Hunter, through James, through, through seven others, uh, has profited from their uh, dealings with China while Joe and after Joe was point man on this. And you can look, obviously, Ukraine as well, and you could see all the money that we're spending there. And you have to question that as well and say, wait a second, isn't Joe the guy that said about the prosecutor over there? Well, I told him you got six hours. You're not getting your money. He said that on tape. He said that right. literally. And then you look at the fact that Hunter was making over $80,000 a month. Uh, while at the exact same time he was admitting to going on crack binges. That is in his book. He literally wrote about that time that he was on the board for Burisma for corporate governance. I got to tell you, Kieran, generally, if I was running a company, I would not want my head of corporate governance to be on a crack binge. But that's just me. Yeah, you definitely don't want that. And the defense, <laughs> the you know, the press plays defense for the Bidens and, and the left generally. And the defense has always been for years now, well, Hunter's troubled, but this is about Hunter. That has nothing to do with Joe. But what we learned this week from a whistleblower is that there are high-ranking officials, uh, senior people in the Justice Department that are protecting Hunter from prosecution on just the tax charges. Not any of the other things, but just the tax charges. They're, they're basically obstructing 
justice, the career people in Justice Department and in the IRS think there should be a prosecute prosecution, and then the Biden appointees are saying no. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and we hear that this might go all the way up to the top with Merrick Garland. So, you know, to me, I, I think this is, uh, I can't say it's shocking anymore, Kieran, because I come to expect this to be perfectly honest. I mean, you can look at the, the intelligence officials who ended up writing this letter uh, after Moran Devine. I just saw Moran Devine on Saturday, as a matter of fact, and we were talking about all this. And it's uh, sadly, it, it's par for the course where uh, it just seems like conservatives are fighting not just against the radical left, which really a lot of the radical left policies have become mainstream in the Democratic Party now. Um, but you're also fighting against the referees, which are the media. And, uh, you know, I look at my mother on this one here. My, my mother is still a journalist. She's been a journalist for over 50 years. Uh, she's had the opportunity to interview a few different presidents and, uh, you know, all, all different types of people from all walks of life. And you could never, if you go back and look at her from 40, 45 years ago to present day, you cannot with any question figure out out what her political leanings are. And that should be the pride of journalism. But sadly, we're not seeing that anymore. And they are just the lead blockers for the Democratic left uh, and the Biden administration. And, uh, you know, the, the, the IRS, sadly, with, with this, uh, one more thing, the time that I spent in the Trump White House, I can't tell you how many days I'd hear obstruction of justice from the Justice Department or from other areas, right? The the media used to love, love whistleblowers in the Trump administration, whether it was the guy who came out as Miles Teller, uh, who was really kind of a mid to low level guy, but they pumped him up as if he was the chief of staff, um, or whether it was the guy who testified at, at president's, uh, the president's first uh, impeachment hearing, uh, Vindman. Um, you yeah. hearing about these guys, and they love them. And now there's somebody who's coming out uh, on this, and, and they want to bury this person. Look, we can debate whether or not, you know, the whistleblowers and national security, the importance of that, and whether or not what they're doing is a crime should be prosecuted. But what is not debatable, if you're looking at this evenly, is just how uh, the media treats those that are whistleblowing, let's say, against the uh, against, let's say, a Democratic uh, administration versus a Republican administration and how differently they treat them. Really so true. And you're talking about media bias and we're also talking about the Justice Department yes, protecting... Yes, bounced all over the place. Sorry, yeah, that one there. <laughs> right. But, but what's interesting, Andrew Giuliani, is the flip side of the Justice Department protecting Hunter Biden and others on the left is how aggressive they are with people on the right. Yeah. Um, I actually, funny little anecdote, a, a, a while back, I was texting with uh, Dan Scavino, who's yeah. from my town here. He's a close uh, Trump guy, Great guy, about getting involved in the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I said to my wife, I, said, oh, I was texting with Scavino, maybe I'll get involved in the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. And she joked, but there's a lot of truth to it. She joked, oh, good. When should we, when should we schedule our FBI visit? <laughs> in other words, if you get involved with Trump, the FBI is going to come after you. Now, obviously, that, you know, that that's a, that's a, that's a joke. But there is some truth to that in that the Democrats are protected to a degree and a lot of people in Trump's orbit, your father included, yes. have been the subject of aggressive prosecutions. And really, the underlying reason is their association with Trump. How do we fix that? How do we fix that in the Justice Department? How do we get people to get involved in politics if you have to worry about that? Well, first and foremost, you know, they say every joke has some truth to it. So your wife may absolutely be right on this. And, and like you said, I don't have to look any further than my father. Um, the fact that the FBI raided his apartment, and by the way, no charges ever came of that. Uh, on top of all that, and I think this is one thing that can show just how politicized the FBI has become. 
They actually started hacking, looking into my father's iCloud account the day after, the day after it was announced that he was going to be representing President Trump. I believe it was, was announced he was going to be March 30th and by April 1st, and that's not, April, that's not an April Fool's Day joke, it's true. By April 1st, they were actually uh, looking into his iCloud account while he was representing the President of the United States. So um, what do we have to do? Look, I, I, I hate to say this with a law enforcement arm because I think there are so many different great rank and file members of the FBI, but the seventh floor of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Justice Department have become so disgustingly politicized that it really needs to be dismantled from the top. And you can, you know, I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, renaming the organization, relocating the organization might be part of it, but whatever it is, that seventh floor of the FBI needs some major, major changes. And uh, and and I know that defunding the FBI, the left has tried to go after, say, how can you be pro-law enforcement if, uh, if you want to defund the FBI? Well, look, I am I am anti-law enforcement that will go after political opponents because that's Gestapo tactics there. My wife is from Lithuania when they were in the Soviet Union. They used to use police forces to go after political opponents. That's not the same as making sure that you're enforcing the laws. That's not the same as making sure that my streets are safe. That's not the same as making sure that my daughter's safe and has a good quality of life while living in her community. So don't try to tell me that that's the same thing because that's sadly just media messaging that people can look right by that and say, you know what? You're biased. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew Giuliani. Good stuff here today. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. And we had earth-shattering news this week in the media world. Yeah. I was shocked to learn Tucker Carlson is leaving Fox News. It's hard to imagine uh, Fox News without Tucker at 8 o'clock. Here, I, hear, I hear they're hiring you, but I hear they can't afford you. I hear that's the problem. You know what the problem is, Andrew? That's prime time, and I have matinee idol good looks. So I don't know. I don't know that my good looks would play at prime time. <laughs> well, you know, I was absolutely shocked. I was actually walking into uh, an Elise Stefanik event uh, here at the Women's National Republican Club in Manhattan, uh, and I found out walking in that room. It happened, I guess, while I was in the elevator going up, and I was pretty surprised. And you could tell that this is something that happened uh, pretty recently because they were, I, mean, I would say, over the weekend, if not Monday morning, in terms of letting Tucker know because they were promoing his show as has been told recently within the last year they just gave him that day show tucker carlson today on on fox nation i mean heck he just had elon musk on last week he had a top a top guest like that he seems to be one of the few people in, in the uh you know the traditional mainstream media uh to who um who continues to break stories like a journalist, I would say. Uh, and so it was pretty surprising in that regard. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that Tucker, wherever he goes, not only will land on his feet, but will thrive. Um, and, and if I'm, you know, if I'm some of the other media organizations, uh, you've got to be giving him a call and, and figuring out what he's thinking, what his plans are, uh, and when that, whenever that non-compete expires, uh, if he's going to be part of your organization, because it immediately makes you a player, and I believe a competitor of Fox, 
if you can get him because he seems to have set the tone uh, in there. You know, I've 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 been lucky to know Sean Hannity for a long time, and, and he's he's done it for so long, so well at Fox, and he's he's a great asset. But you have to even wonder if they're going to go after a guy like Tucker, is a guy like like uh, Sean safe? And I've had the opportunity to go on Greg Gutfeld's show a few times. Uh, I think they're going to keep Greg because he's been so successful at eleven. But if if uh, if you look at Tucker, he's he's as successful as anybody recently on the network has been. So you wonder who's safe uh, at Fox. Um, the one thing I can I can pretty safely say is I don't think Don Lemon will be fill, filling that eight p.m. slot at Fox. <laughs> That's so interesting that he got fired the same day. <laughs> You, you think CNN wanted to go and hide hide it right there? My guess is they saw Tucker Carlson and said, "Okay, we're axing him right now. Get him out." <laughs> yeah, that's really that's really funny. Yeah. And uh, let's wrap up here. You've been so generous with your time, Andrew Giuliani. Uh, speaking of media, you're you're involved in the media these days. Tell us about your podcast and your radio show. Absolutely. Well, you know, you'll have to appreciate this because you you had. You spent some time in Albany with a different Andrew of a different political party, but my podcast is called Not That Andrew because the name Andrew has been dragged through the mud over the last couple of years between Prince Andrew and between Andrew Cuomo. You know, we, we've got to, I guess, we, we've got a MAGA. We've got to make Andrews great again. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, Not That Andrew, we've had some great guests on last week. Jenna Ellis, who was representing President Trump uh, oh, yeah. throughout the post-election issues and is somebody who's been uh, a spectacular conservative warrior has been on. Miranda Devine has come on already. Uh, and, and we've had some other interesting guests like David Wells of the New York Yankees on opening day. We'll have, uh, you know, John Daly will come on uh, later in the year and, and we'll continue to have some interesting guests. So I would I would say go to WABCRadio.com uh, or to Red Apple Podcast Network or, or just go to my Twitter or Facebook feed at Andrew H. Giuliani and, you, and you'll find the latest on that. And also, Kieran, I've, I'm lucky enough to have a Sunday show. John and Margo Katzmatidis have been uh, so, uh, so so nice in order to give me the opportunity. And, and it's, it's been so much fun to be able to get in there. I love taking calls. It's kind of one of the one of the most fun things to do. And, you know, never really know where the conversation is going to go, but it's, uh, but, but it's always fascinating. I think it gives you a great pulse uh, for also for what people are thinking. And, and I think you always, when you're in the public, and I'm sure you saw this uh, in the assembly, you know, you have some ideas about, okay, this is important to me, but you need to make sure that you're always talking with your community, with your constituents to make sure that, hey, you know, is this, is this also what's important to, to, to Jimmy down the block? Is this also what's important to Maggie who lives in the town over over here? Uh, because you want to make sure you're doing a good job of representing your constituents. For me and my wife, we talk about what we talk about all the time that's so important is we talk about education for our daughter, what that's going to look like. We talk about crime, how it's been going up, sadly, in New York City over the last five years, what we're going to do to help combat that. Uh, and we talk about uh, the economy in New York. And we look at places like Florida and Texas and Tennessee and say, oh, wait a second, if crime keeps going up and our education is not as good as it might be in another place, then why are we paying a premium for living uh, in a state or a city that is sadly not going to give us the quality of life that somewhere else would? And I think that's why so many people are looking and saying, is New York the place where I want to raise a family right now? It's amazing to me to think that 
you know, this has spiraled really the last five to 10 years because uh, I would say there's no, there was no other place about 10 years ago that you'd want to raise your family than New York. Um, but it shows how fast it can unravel if you have, uh, if you have the crazies uh, running the show. And, and uh, you know, when I think about, and I think about it from the New York City perspective uh, in particular, but when I think about Eric Adams going up and meeting with Kathy Hochul, Andrea Stewart Cousins, and Carl Hasty, I just wonder who the heck is the adult in the room in that room, you know? I, 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 <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, you know, Adams will say some of the right things, but the thing about him is, and, and I'm pretty sure this is not a matter of he doesn't know the levers to pull. I think he knows the right levers to pull, the right leverage to use in order to get what he wants to get done. I think he's not willing to pull those levers. And it might be he's not willing to pull those levers, maybe because they have something on him. Maybe it's because he wants mm. to be accepted at the Democratic cocktail parties. Maybe it's because he's looking at higher office and saying, I'm not going to win a primary if I do what I have to do. Uh, it's why I always thought, actually, Eric Adams secretly wanted a Republican governor rather than a Democratic governor, because I thought that it would help him deliver the crime reduction in New York City that he needed to be a successful mayor while pointing up to the big bad governor in Albany and saying, yeah, but I wouldn't have done those policies. That's too far. You can accept me in the Democratic circles. Uh, now, as he is, if you will, in that room, I, I would, I can't say the most conservative, but I would say uh, says a few of the right things occasionally. Um, he, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is you'll see that, that on the far left, they'll go after him sometimes just because he'll say this, even though he's not necessarily doing anything about this. Uh, and so I think that's probably what, what's competing in his mind in terms of all this. But, but the result of it is, sadly, we have 8.5 million New York City residents. We have nearly 20 million New Yorkers. They're just not being served by their city or state government. You know, the, the last part of this conversation, I was listening intently to what you were saying and a light bulb went off in my head. Yeah. It sounds to me like there's going to be another Giuliani running for mayor of New York City. <laughs> Am I misreading that? Well, you know, Karen, I, 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 look, I'll tell you, I've thought about it. I thought about it in 2021 as well. I think to me, though, uh, I like to look and say, is can a Republican win? And I'm a big believer politically that, you know, if you, you gotta, you can't lose the second one in a row. You lose one, that's fine. I, I ran for governor last year. It was it was a great experience to do that. Uh, you know, certainly I thought showed well at different times, but didn't win it. The next race that I run, you got to win. Otherwise, you kind of you kind of become the, the also ran, if you will. And, and for me, I, I look at it and say, right now, I don't see anything from the numbers that shows me that New York City is going to be competitive for a Republican. When you're looking at a seven to one Democrat to Republican difference. Um, I have trouble figuring out how a Republican will crack 35 percent in 2025 uh, versus uh, versus even c competing to win. I mean, you look at what Curtis Lewood did in 2021. Curtis is a great friend. And I think Curtis ran a hard campaign. I mean, was everywhere at all times. And he got 29 percent, which was better than the previous two Republican candidates. But it's very tough to see that jump from 29% to 50 plus one. Uh, so look, I, I will certainly support uh, the best candidate. Uh, I don't expect that to, me, to be me in, in 2025. Um, but I also want to figure out how we can uh, in 2023, get more city council seats. Uh, maybe that path starts to develop if you can say, hey, wait a second, we're able to win 40% 
of the, that's kind of the target that I'm looking at here, if you want to actually really know the truth, right? We had 29% of the city under Curtis Lewa. Uh, Zeldin got just shy of 30%. It was like 29.9% of the right. city. So what I really want to see is, or what I what would make me see that mayor would be competitive in 2025 is if we can get of the city council seats, 40% of that popular vote. Um, I would say progress is going to be 35%. If we get 35% of that popular vote, then we'll continue to see progress in that direction. Um, but if, you know, 40% would really have to be that number that you'd say, okay, we've cut that in half. Now, how do we get that other half in the next two years? Oh, yeah, you've given a lot of thought. You've really crunched the numbers there. Very impressive. And I know I said I was going to wrap this up like a, like a half an hour ago, but... Uh, no problem. Uh, I, I, it's I, I'm it's been a great conversation. I'm enjoying this. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on sports, so I'm going to keep it going Please. for another minute or so. You mentioned David Wells. First of all, David Wells pitched his uh, his perfect game the day I graduated from Providence College in 1998. Uh, yeah, wow. May 17, 1998. We were we were uh, we had graduated and we were in a restaurant and watching on the on the on the bar in the restaurant. Well, Karen, you got to go in, in Providence. You got to go back and listen to that podcast because he talks about what he did the night before and he went to Saturday Night Live the night before and then ended up going out to the after party and was out with the cast and Jimmy Fallon until like 5 a.m. And he gets in, he makes a, his, his son wakes him up, makes him a pot of coffee. He gets into the, uh, to the Yankee clubhouse and David Cohen comes over to him and says, you got to get in the training room. He said, why? He said, you stink. You smell like booze. He's like, get in the training room wow. and get out of here. And then sure enough, the guy ends up throwing a, throwing a perfect game. So it's uh, he's certainly one of the most colorful Yankees uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what I wanted to mention also was, I'm sure you saw Judge sitting with Volpe and, Braid and Bader uh, at the Ranger game. I thought that was cool that, that Judge is really taking the captain role seriously yeah. and bringing the, the new young star Volpe along. And he bought him some, uh, some tailored suits to wear on the road. I thought that was really cool really spoke well of Judge yeah. in the Yankees' future. The, the way they played at the Garden, uh, I got to tell you, maybe we need a judge to put to, <laughs> to put on the skates because it was a it was a rough one the last couple of games. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that they that they come back and win this thing. I still think we're the better team, um, but I tell you, they, they the, the goal the goalie change that the Devils made to Schmid uh, seems to have really kind of uh, lit a fire under the Devils. Um, and, and we got to give. I, I know we did it the first two games, but Shosturkin is playing just way too well to give this guy no goal support. You think about it, he hasn't given up you know, more than two goals a game. I know last one was three, but there was an empty netter at the end of the game. He hasn't given up two goals a game, and we're even in this series. Um, so I really hope that the, the Rangers come on back and get these next two over here. Um, you know, you looked, and, and it was just uh, to win those first two games, 5-1. And, uh, you know, you got to get by the series first and foremost, I know. But looking at the last few deep Rangers playoff runs they've made, They've had deep, deep, deep series in the first and second round where they've played a combined 13 and 14 games. Last year alone, they played 14 games. And that wore them out by the end of that Tampa Bay series last year where they were up 2-0, they're up 2-0 in the second period, and all of a sudden they, they lose their legs. So it's really important. I look back at that 1994 team, right? Those first two rounds, they yeah. took care of the Islanders, they swept them, and they take care of the Capitals in five games. And now all of a sudden they've got those legs and they go two seven-game series with the Devils and the Canucks and win the Cup. Um, the last few, the last probably like 12 years or so, the Rangers have had these deep, hard-hitting, tough uh, series in the first and second round, and it's hurt them in the conference finals uh, in, terms of, in terms of their legs. So I really, really hope... 
they're able to come back and, and get a win uh, in game five and and, uh, and we'll go from there. But, uh, but you know, look, as you can tell, I'm a big Ranger fan. I've probably given this a little more thought than I probably should as well. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it actually brings me to my last question. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a serious question. Do you ever think about doing sports talk also? Oh, you know, I like to mix it in there whenever, whenever we're, whenever I'm on air, I like to, you know, do like 10% sports talk because I, I look at it this way. You know, we started off our conversation thinking about our kids and what their life is going to be like going forward and these, these very, very heavy conversations when you think about their education, when you think about foreign policy. These are things that they're going to have to deal with for a long time. Um, but, you know, I think for our sanity, for our children's sanity as well, we need to make sure that, that we enjoy parts of life. And even in, in the toughest times, uh, even while we're fighting these battles, we need to be able to enjoy Yankee games, Ranger games, and, and time outside throwing the ball. My daughter's just starting to learn how to kick the ball around. It's so much fun to just kind of kick the ball around with her a, a little bit. And, and I think it's so important to try to find a, a little bit of that balance in life, because if not, we're just going to drive ourselves crazy. Um, it also just gives gives you the perspective too of, of what what we're fighting for right when when I get to I was tickling my daughter last night in the belly and she was just laughing and laughing and it just it gave me a joy that there's nothing else in life that, that can match and if we're not enjoying those moments then uh, what are we even doing you know that is a beautiful sentiment we're gonna leave it right there Andrew Giuliani thanks so much for your time good luck with your family good luck with all your endeavors I look forward to talking to you soon I look forward to hearing you on sports radio one of these days that'll be great I'll call in Kieran from Hopewell Junction calling in to talk about the Yankees lineup <laughs> sounds good Kieran great being with you as take always. care all right take care take buddy. care This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.